Welcome to this special episode from NeoZaz.com, the War of the Worlds 50th Anniversary Revisited, part of our 2018 War of the Worlds Week celebration. I am Matt in the NeoZaz studio here in Orlando, Florida, and in this special, we're going to take a real close look at the golden anniversary celebration of the 1938 broadcast of the War of the Worlds. This year, 2018, marks the 80th anniversary of Orson Welles in the Mercury Theater on the air's adaptation and performance of H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds. This broadcast is legendary, mostly stemming from the short war of words between newspapers and radio following the broadcast. The urban legend of the mass panic snowballed pretty quick and stuck around for a while. As time went on, more realistic accounts of the reactions to the broadcast were learned and that urban legend for the most part faded away legend aside this is still one of the most famous radio plays in history people still know it and people still listen to it but admittedly less and less each year and now here on its 80th anniversary there's not a whole lot of fanfare there's some online articles marking the occasion there's going to be a handful of skeptic podcasts using the original broadcast event as the subject for their annual the panic didn't happen stupid halloween episode and the small internet entertainment network will do a series of specials on the subject over a course of a week. But with the impending end of net neutrality, no one is likely going to hear that set of shows. But 30 years ago, things were different, a lot different. It was the golden anniversary of the broadcast. And along with Orson Welles, Howard Koch, and H.G. Wells, there was another name that people would remember forever after this broadcast. And that was the name of a town. Grover's Mill, New Jersey. When the 50th anniversary came along for the War of the Worlds broadcast, the War of the Worlds Commemorative Committee, or WOW Inc. for short, was formed. And they decided to throw a party. And it was a big party. It ran for four days in Grover's Mill and Mercer County, New Jersey in 1988. It started on Thursday, October 27th, continued on Friday, October 28th, went on to Saturday, October 29th, and of course concluded on the 50th anniversary date of the broadcast, Sunday, October 30th. So what does a four-day celebration of War of the Worlds look like? Well, we're going to find out right now. There were nearly 20 marquee events that weekend centered around a festival that had its own set of entertainment events, rides, and food, all starting with this schedule laid out for Thursday, October the 27th. 8 p.m., there was the juried art show in the Carnegie Center building, 210. The cost for this was free. In the WWP High School at 7.30, or I should say starting at 7.30, running to 8.30, was the Recollections We Were There panel. cost for that was also free. Then there was the WOW Festival. This day was entitled Martians Are Coming Again slash Sighting. And this is in Mercer Park. It started at 6 o'clock and ran at 10 p.m. Admission to this, there was a cost. It was a dollar, a whole dollar, unless you were a child in costume, which you got in for free. And the events for that Thursday of the WOW Festival included the costume contest for kids, fireworks and a laser show, rides, games and entertainment, and on the main stage of the fairgrounds at 8.30, there was a gospel choir, and at 9 o'clock, oh, that's when the fireworks and laser show started. There was one more event for that day, and that was also at the high school as well, and that started at 7 o'clock, and it was Mars Talk. Cost for this was free, but you had to phone in for reservations, and you could get in 
with reservations only. All right, let's talk a little bit about what each of these are, because in title, you can kind of guess, but there was more to it than just what the title suggests. So the juried art show, there was 20 entrants that participated in this show. And the theme, of course, was War of the Worlds. And they had to capture the moment of the invasion that never really happened. And this was an art show, not just paintings, which is honestly what I immediately thought of when I read the title. This had sculptures, glasswork, metalwork, paintings, of course, photography, woodwork. As long as it fit the theme, it was allowed in the show. Judging was done by the New Jersey State Museum curator and assistant curator, along with the art department heads from the New Jersey University and art colleges. And the winners, if you're wondering, well, they were Aaron Kempel for the pencil and oil on paperwork called Space Obelisk. Vincent Almostead's sand cast glass piece called He Came with Greetings from Beyond, and Michael Broly's mahogany sculpture Lunar Ray. All three, which I have looked up and have not found by name or by artist. Got to remember that 30 years ago, even though there was a form of the internet that wasn't compiling and archiving details the way that we are now. I hope one day that some photographs are scanned of these so we can see them. But at the time of this recording, unfortunately, I did not find those to share. The Recollections We Were There panel. This was billed as an informal hour-long discussion among people who actually experienced the War of the Worlds 50 years ago. It invited four Grover's Mill residents that were also Grover's Mill residents in 1938 that all had very different experiences that night. See Lawrence Day and Lolly Day. This is a married couple, a married couple in 1988, but they weren't married and hadn't met at all in 1938. Lolly at the time, her name was Lolly McKenzie. She was asked to play piano at a Presbyterian church's young people's meeting when someone burst into the meeting screaming, the Martians are coming. The youth group pastor said a prayer and then dismissed the meeting. And by the time Lolly got home, the broadcast was wrapping up just in time for her to hear Orson Welles explain that the entire show was an act. See, Lawrence Day, on the other hand, he was tuned in from the beginning of the broadcast and knew it was a radio play. And much to his relief, especially since his father owned a large portion of the land that made up Grover's Mill at the time, including the now oft-visited Grover's Mill Pond. The other two panelists were Charles and V. Aversano. They were another married couple, but these two were married at the time of the broadcast and just married at the time of the broadcast, as in seven days before the broadcast. They were actually on their honeymoon in Miami, Florida, when the broadcast aired. They listened to the Martians decimate Princeton Junction, the part of town where Charles had sunk every last penny he had into his new house that he had built for him and his wife. Charles grabbed V's hand and their luggage, put everything in the car, and drove 36 hours straight back to New Jersey, never hearing until they got home that this was all a radio play. The Wild Festival we'll talk more about in the rest of the days of this event. The last thing to talk about for Thursday was the panel Mars talk. There was not a whole lot of definitive description on this. My best guess is that it was a panel on what was known about Mars in 1988 perhaps compared to 1938. And if that were the case, that would actually be an interesting panel to do now, or if they ever celebrate the 100th anniversary, I can't imagine what we're going to learn about Mars by then. It's very different than what we knew in 1988 and even more so from 1938. So I'm going to guess it was something along those lines. And if it's not, that's what it should be. 
come the 100th anniversary. Now, if I was there, what I would go to, I would probably go to just the Recollections We Were There panel and then a little bit of the festival. And Now, this is considering how old I was in 1988, which is not as old as I am in 2018. I'm not going to give you the numbers. Just take my word for it. And my interests would have focused on those two things. As the adult I am now, I would have loved to seen the juried art show, but I'm pretty sure the 1988 me eh, possibly didn't care. I don't know. Sometimes it surprises me. So that was just the start of the celebration. It continued the next day as well. And of course, Friday the 28th brought us a new set of events. There was a planetarium show at the New Jersey State Planetarium at 8 p.m. And that was free to attend. The WOW Festival continued, and today, the theme, or the title of it, was called The Martians Are Coming Again slash Landing. So we go from sighting to landing. And this was in Mercer County Park again. Time also 6 to 10 p.m. At Friday's festival, we had a couple things going on. From 6 to 8 p.m., there was a kite exhibit. On the main stage at 6 o'clock, we had Ralph Litwin on banjo. 7 p.m., we had Uncle Floyd 8 p.m. the Gospel Choir and 8.30 p.m. Uncle Floyd came back again. There was a satellite stage for this festival and Friday was the first day they used it. And at 6 p.m. Gene Brown on organ was playing on that satellite stage. At 9 o'clock we had the fireworks and laser show once again. And there was the big black tie ultra ticketed event for the entire weekend. And that was the dinner dance Flight of Fantasy at the Hyatt Regency, starting at 7 p.m., music by Starlight, and the cost was $150. And as I said, it was a black tie affair, and I did the adjustment over inflation, and that is over $300. That is a pricey ticket for an event like this. So let's get some details on the events for Friday. Let's start with the Planetarium Show. This did have a title. Its title was Men, Martians, and Machines. It was a 45-minute show, and the description read, a 45-minute look at Mars through the eyes of astronomers, scientists, and space probes. The American Astronomy Association, the Princeton chapter, they also set up a telescope at Grover's Mill Pond for a viewing of Mars Friday and Saturday night. All right. Let's talk about this dinner dance, the Flight of Fantasy, this $150 black tie event. It was a dinner dance, like the name says. It was space-themed, as you probably already guessed. It boasted 100 helium neon laser effects. In the description, it read, Guests will enter a time transfer continuum and be beamed aboard the USS Hyatt Regency Solar Cruiser by antimatter energy beams. The cruiser will leave its Earth orbit and enter hyperspace where guests will have the opportunity to see the interstellar landscape such as the Crab Nebula through viewports in the cruiser created by the New Jersey Network. Synthesizer music by James Bonach will entertain guests through cocktails. Food and drink from all over the galaxy will be offered, including the Pangalactic Gargle Blaster. Finally, there will be dinner and dancing to the music of Starlight, who will play a range of selections. Special guests will be Howard Koch and the cast from the War of the Worlds television series. And the kicker for me, and this was not in the description, it was in the newspaper ad, is that this event was endorsed by the Martian ambassador, Natrom Idlnerf. Now, I won't read this lengthy endorsement that was in the ad, and you would thank me for that if you saw it, but I did want to point out that 
Natrum it'll nerf, however you say that, is actually the words friendly Martian backwards. Okay, let's get to the WoW Festival. So this was the second of the four days of the WoW Festival. They had 27 rides. Largest part of the budget had gone into the fireworks show, according to the War of the Worlds WoW Committee Chairman Douglas Forrester. It had five entertainment venues, including the Rascal Starship, and by Rascals, it's Rascals Candy. We'll probably get in a little bit of that later. This Starship was an overlay to the park's ice skating rink, where they played a laser light show every half hour, except when featured illusionist Mark O'Brien performed in that venue. So let's talk about this for a minute, because guess what? I have a program guide from Mark O'Brien's War of the Worlds 50th Anniversary show, Extraterrestrial Deceptions. Now, this doesn't say directly what the show is, but we get an idea of some of the elements of this show from his credits page. First, we know there's a story element to the show, because there's a writing credit, and it goes to Mark O'Brien and Bob Gallo. We know that there was music, because the music composition credit is Peter Candela. There was a set, because scenic design was by Van Schaik slash St. Laurent. There's costumes, because costume design was by Chari Alicia O'Brien. There was some sort of alien or alien element, because in the credits it says, Mr. O'Brien's alien makeup design was by Ralph Sorella. No, I have no idea if this is Ralph Sorella of the Howard Stern Show fame. Yes, he's a makeup artist, and yes, New York is not that far from New Jersey, but I have no idea if this is the same person. And last but not least, the alien assistant is credited to Carol Gabel. I couldn't find any pictures or video of this show. I really tried to, but I think I did find Mark O'Brien's current website and it appears he's still performing. Last but not least in this program is the sponsors, and the sponsors are Rascals Candies and Junior Mints, and they provided a free sample of each candy as you exited the Starship after each performance. The program also has a one-page story of sorts by Mark O'Brien about the War of the Worlds and Orson Welles, specifically about Orson Welles' work as a magician and having it circle back to this entire event. The whole War of the Worlds broadcast and this golden anniversary all started with the magician was the just was the gist of the story. It's actually really nice. I enjoyed this full-page addition to this event program. And that is the offering of the events on Friday. And looking back, let's see, I would have probably gone to the planetarium show and, and the festival again, with the only other option being the dinner dance at $150, which I, I'm not sure I can afford to go to it today, even at inflation rates as a grown man with a full-time job. So I definitely wouldn't have gone to that. And chances are, I probably wouldn't have had a proper date to it at that age. So. All right, let's move on to Saturday, October 29th, and the first full day of the celebration and the festival. And this is looking like it is going to be a full day. Very first thing scheduled for that Saturday was at 8.30 a.m., and that was the start of the Martian Parade. The parade started at Fairview Avenue and Washington Road and ran to Clarksville Road. And more details on that, of course, when we get to the details the Monument Dedication at 11 a.m. This was at Grover's Mill Pond, and it was the unveiling of the permanent marker of the Martian landing site and barrel of the time capsule they put together for this 50th anniversary. Doesn't say anything about tickets or admission, but it does say that passes were available through the West Winder Municipal Building. The Martian Panic Bike Races started at 1 p.m., and the starting point of that race is at the Grover's Mill Company. That's also the finish, actually. I failed to mention 
that featured two U.S. Cycling Federation sanctioned races. An entry for that was $10. There was a panel discussion that night, and it was called Could It Happen Again? It was at the Center for Health Affairs on Alexandria Road, and that ran from 7 to 9 p.m. There wasn't a mission for that. It's $10. Two more chances to check out the Planetarium Show at the New Jersey Planetarium at 2 p.m. and 4 p.m. that day. And, of course, the WOW Festival. The Martians are coming again. This date titled The Conflict. That ran most of the day. It started a little later, actually, than some of these activities. It started at 1 o'clock and ran to 10, so full Nine-hour day for the festival, the carnival, however you want to classify that. And that also had a list of, actually, wow, I'm looking at my notes. This had an extensive list of its own events going on. So let's get to that. So, again, Mercer County Park, 11 to 10 p.m. 12.30, there was a costume contest. 2 p.m., the invasion reenactment. 3 to 8.30, a kite exhibit. I think that's a second kite exhibit now, if I'm not mistaken. 4 p.m., a hot balloon rally. 9 p.m., laser and fireworks show. That's just from what you can see at the main courtyard. Then you have the main stage, which at 1 p.m., the amazing Kreskin performed. 3 p.m., the magician Richard Cowley performed. 3.30, a gospel choir. 4 o'clock, the Rhythm Kings. 7 o'clock, the gospel choir returned. Then, of course, there's the satellite stage, which we did hear about a little bit on Friday. 1 o'clock, Ralph Litwin banjo. 2.30, kids on the block, not new nor old, just kids on the block. 3 p.m., Ian Cotes, not sure what he did or what his performance was. It's not listed. 4 o'clock, Irene Parker, dance performance. 4.45, kids on the block again. Whether they're new or old, they're popular on that satellite stage. And 5 o'clock, magician Rich Callie performs again on this stage. One thing I wanted to note about the the wow festival that about that particular day, before we get into the details of the other events that were offered to do throughout Mercer County is that on that day, again, Saturday, the 29th, as you entered the festival, you also got your alien invader ID card. This was a bright piece of yellow green cardstock. And on it, it said official alien invader ID card to blank i'm assuming that's where you wrote your name this card becomes effective on the date of the bears invasion of grover's mill new jersey 10 signed salvadon also this day at the festival on this particular day on saturday the 29th when you entered the festival you also got your alien invader id card now this was a bright piece of yellow green stock cardstock paper it was about the size of a, of a business card and printed on it. It said official alien invader ID card. And under that, it said two with a line. So presumably where you put your name, this card becomes effective on this date of the bears invasion to Grover's mill, New Jersey, 10, 29, 88 signed Salvadon. I don't know who Salvadon was because you spell that backwards and it's not anything like friendly Martian or, or really anything. It's, it's not the loss. I have it in front of me. I don't know what that means. It might be a, oh, what's that, like a word jumble? I think there's a, I want to say anagram, but I'm not sure that's the grammatical word for it, but the like a word jumble where it might spell something out, but I hadn't taken the time to rearrange those letters and figure it out myself yet. There was one more event that day, October 29th, and that was the Martian Fling Masquerade Party. Now, this is different than the, was it Black Tie Affair? That's, yeah, that's the term, Black Tie Affair we talked about Friday. Now, this is different. 
This is different. We'll get into the details, but it was at Nassau Park at 9 p.m. And this cost of this was only $25 per creature. This is not the $300 black tie, gold plate, whatever you spend $300 on a fair. This is, was a little more, I'd say, uh, probably a little more relaxed than what that one was offering. All right, let's get into the details of this pretty wide array of events that they had going on on this Saturday. So Martian Parade, let's start with that. That's what started the whole day. The parade ran for about an hour long, which that's that's a huge parade, actually, when you think about it. The communities that were participating in this parade, West Windsor, Trenton, East Windsor, and Hamilton. Bands that were slated to march in that parade were the State Police Drum and Pipe Corps, the Army Band, the West Windsor Plainsboro High School Band, and the Greater Kensington Mummers, which if you're not from the Northeast, I'd say Philadelphia, New York, Jersey area, I, I don't know how far that spread. That might not mean anything to you, but I saw it and got excited. The Mummers, especially in the 70s and 80s, that was a pretty big deal when parades came, especially, I believe, on New Year's Day. But that is a whole other story and a whole other special podcast, not for War of the Worlds Week. Community organizations making appearances in this parade include the local Cub Scouts Peck, Princeton Alliance Church, Girl Scouts, Prince of Peace Lutheran Church, Dance Spectrums, the Grover's Mill Company, the West Windsor American Legion, the West Windsor Lions Club, the Chinese American Association, the Indian Cultural Group, and the Princeton Junction Cooperative Nursery School. And at the halfway point, there were 30 costumed children that joined the parade. The parade was estimated to have 800 participants. That, that, that Again, that is a big parade. And all the floats appearing in the parade were Martian-themed. The monument dedication. Now, this one this is a kind of a big deal because it's well, the one thing, apart from the parks, this is the one thing that is still there. You can go see today. Everything else happened 30 years ago, obviously. It's the 50th anniversary. It's now the 80th anniversary. You can't see the parade. You can't go to the festival. But this monument is still there. In fact, I've seen it this year. So this, this is kind of cool to talk about and with having in mind you can go see this right now so the monument dedication let's talk about that this was the unveiling and dedication of the permanent monument sculpted by jay warren dedicated to the war of the world's broadcast and grover's mill role in a sense in that play if you've not seen this firsthand or even seen a picture of it online or anything it's it's actually a pretty neat statue I actually go into a lot of detail on this statue in our upcoming special, We Take You Not of Grover's Mill. But to give you an idea, at the top of it, it says in big bold letters, Martian Landing Site. Then you have a relief sculpture of Orson Welles and a family listening to it on the radio. And then a brief but concise paragraph about the events on October 30th in 1938. There was a dedication ceremony for this, and there were speakers like there normally is at a dedication ceremony. This particular one featured Governor Keene. Mayor Michael Mastro, Howard Koch, the author of the play that was performed on, in, on October 30th, 1938, and WOW Chairman Douglas Forrester. After the unveiling and the dedication, there was a time capsule that was buried under the monument. Now, they, they must mean at the foot of the monument because otherwise they'd have to move it and undo everything they just did. So I'm assuming underneath the underground at the foot of the monument, but who knows? But the time capsule is going to be unearthed again at the 100th anniversary, which is 2038. So take a wild guess where I will be on October 30th, 2038. 
All right, Martian Panic Bike Races. This one, I was curious. I didn't quite get it, but once I read the description, it all makes perfect sense. So there was the, well, there was three bike races altogether. Two of them are U.S. Cycling Federation sanctioned races, and the other one was called a citizen's race. So I guess that's a an unofficial race from the U.S. Cycling Federation. I don't do bike races, so I'm not sure. If it was a foot race, it'd make a little more sense to me. I have more experience with that, but I think that's a logical conclusion. The citizens race was two laps around the course that started at the Grover's Mill Company, ran down Clarksville Road to Landing Lane, turned on to Sarah Drive, to Suffolk Lane, on to Sunnydale Road, then to Cranberry Road, and back to Grover's Mill. No real idea where any of this is except Cranberry Road, because that was the road that took us to Van Ness Park, where that monument I just talked about is. Other than that, not quite sure where this went. I could try to draw it out on Google Maps. I could actually wish I had now that I think about it, but now I'm sitting in front of the microphone recording and it's a little difficult to do, so I'll move on. The two U.S. Cycling Federation races were 15 and 20 miles long. No note if it was the same path or not or what the path was, so I'm not quite sure where that ran. I'm sure it included some of these things, or at least a Grover's Mill Company. That's a pretty iconic building at least where this company was which i think is still there i know the building is still there i'm not sure if it says if it's still under the grover's milk company but i i digress uh, other than that i really don't know where this race went now this is what i was curious about why a bike race why in a 50th anniversary of a radio play are they having a bike race well they actually explained this and it made a lot of sense Bikes were a common mode of transportation in 1938 and a perfect vehicle to escape the Martians. So with the theme of the Martians invade again in the main festival, the bike race now makes perfect sense. And actually, now knowing that, I actually think it's pretty cool. The panel discussion, could it happen again? This panel, the panel put together for this event, it was actually pretty impressive. It had NPR's Garrison Keeler. Greg Strangis, the executive producer of the War of the Worlds TV series, which was a syndicated show at the time of this event. I think it was around 88, 89. It was definitely in 88. Not sure if the second season or the first season was in 88, but the point is the War of the Worlds TV series was a syndicated show and airing at the time that this event was going on. Joel Cooper, the Princeton University Psychology Department chairman, and Howard Green, the director of research for the New Jersey Historical Association. Each panelist was speaking from their area of expertise on the power and responsibility of media, human nature, and a historical perspective of that 1938 reaction. The Martian Fling Masquerade Party. This was the $25 ticketed one again. Again, not the uh, black tie. Well, of course, that was another night. We've already gone past that. So the, the Martian Fling Masquerade Party. The fling of everything, as it was touted. It was another dinner dancing event or at least hors d'oeuvres i'm not sure there's a full dinner but there was food and dancing it was space slash martian themed i think they were a little lax on the space uh, masquerade costumes having to be specifically martians it started at nine o'clock and ended at midnight and you also got a commemorative war of the world's mug and a mars candy bar for attending this so let's take a look at this again and see what i would have gone to had I gone to this event, first, I definitely absolutely would have lined up for the parade. That I would want to see. I think I'd go to the monument dedication. Hard to tell if the 1988 me would understand the significance of that, but I certainly would now. I, I would hope the 1988 me knew that. 
the panel discussion now, hands down, I'm a go-to, but I don't think there's any way I would have gone to this unless I was hoping to get the executive producer of, of more of the world's TV show autograph, but I, I doubt that I would go for any other reason. I Now I know who Garrison Keeler is. I know that these positions from, or of, I should say, the other panelists, let's see, uh, Princeton University Psychology Department Chairman, Director of Research for the New Jersey Historical Society, that... The st- I was 16 going on 17 at the time of this. I would not have cared. Now I would have loved to have seen this. So I can safely say I would not have gone to that. And of course, the festival. If I hadn't gone to the planetarium show the Friday before, I might make one of those as well. But most of my day after the parade, and if I had gone to the dedication, which still is a little iffy for the 16-year-old Matt, the rest of the day would have definitely been taken up with the, with the festival. Now the final day, October 30th, 1988, and the actual anniversary day of that 1938 broadcast. This is the day that broadcast turned 50. So Sunday, October 30th, what do we got? We have got the Martian Panic 10K run. That was at the WW-P High School. That's where it started and ended at 1 o'clock p.m. That was a $6 entry pre-I'm sorry, pre-registration fee and $7 at the actual event. Another panel discussion, should we go to Mars? That was at the Center for Health Affairs from 4 to 6 p.m. with a $10 admission. And, of course, the WOW Festival. The Martians are coming again. This time, it was entitled Peace. And that was at Mercer County Park again, 1 to 10 p.m., so a full nine-hour day at the festival for the wrap-up of this event. That had its own set of events. As usual, we've got... From noon till five, which I have a little question mark by because it's an hour before the actual uh, festival is supposed to open. But from noon to five, a kite exhibit. 1 p.m., medieval sword dancers. Over on the main stage at 1 p.m., we have the Rhythm Kings. Two o'clock, Uncle Floyd on banjo. Three o'clock, the Rhythm Kings again. And four o'clock, Uncle Floyd on banjo again. On the satellite stage at 1.30 p.m., kids on the block. These kids, that is a hot act in 1988, apparently. Two o'clock, Norman Ream, guitarist. 2.45 p.m., Magician Mark Davis, 3 p.m., Halloween Storytellers, and 3.45 p.m., Kids on the Block again, wrapping up the performances on that satellite stage. That's not all for this last day of this 50th anniversary celebration. We also have the radio play, the original War of the World script being reenacted at McCarter Theater at 7.30 p.m., and admission to that was $18 for adults and $10 for students. All right, let's get into the details here. So the... Martian Panic 10K Run. Now, first, I want to note that it's at 1 p.m. There was a point in my life I was a runner, and I hope to get back to that hobby as the, uh, well, let's say the weight that I lost. Oh, I, I'm saying it like it's coy. I'll just say it. The weight that I lost when I ran is back. And if you're a longtime listener of news, as you know that, because I used to have a show about running. One o'clock. I, I, I live in Central Florida. I can't imagine starting a race at 1 o'clock, no matter what time of year it is. Even October, Halloween can be sweltering and steeped in humidity. It all depends on how the weather weather patterns or what. I don't even know what. I'm not a meteorologist, but more times than not, it's still hot and muggy in October. So seeing a 1 o'clock 10K race, my eyes are like, ooh, I don't know about that. I know it's New Jersey. I also grew up in the Philadelphia area of Pennsylvania, so I know the weather is different, but I'm almost, not quite. I'm almost to the point in my life where I've lived in Florida longer than I have in Pennsylvania. I've definitely done more running in Florida than Pennsylvania. So for me, a one o'clock race time, 
It's a little scary, but I do know that <laughs> it's okay. It just is really strange to see that in print. So much like the idea of the bike races, if you couldn't drive away or bike away from the Martians, maybe you could outrun them. So it's a 10K, that's 6.2 miles. That's a pretty significant race for an event like this. I think nowadays, if they did it again, and maybe when the next big anniversary celebration comes around, it'd be more like a 5K as the centerpiece of a, a race. And it would probably be kind of a race mixed in with maybe a mile race walk in a kid's dash that seems to be how these kind of races that are attached to events happen maybe not it, if it ever happens again time will tell but a 10k that's not something you nowadays see as a race that's attached to an event like this the panel discussion should we go to mars this was panelists discussing if we should spend the resources to send our space program to mars I'd be extremely interested in seeing a recording of this and compare it to what's actually being discussed 30 years later with the human trip to Mars about another 30 years, give or take, ahead of us from now. I really actually, if it exists, I've not found it. If anyone happens, the few people that are hearing this happens to know of a recording of that panel, that would be really cool to hear how attitudes change or didn't change because i'm not sure i'm really curious what has changed in the past three decades and what changes we've made especially with the the commercial space program now being a large part of the world space program in general panelists for this discussion were robert rowe chairman of the house space science committee princeton professor and astronaut brian o'leary greg marinak director of the space science studies in rocky hill Alan Ladwig, Director of Special Programs and Research at NASA, and Ron Mayle of the Mars Observer Project at GERCA Astro. Okay, the WOW Festival, the Martians Come Again slash Peace. We discussed what they had scheduled on the main stages, but there's something I've kind of glossed over in the other days that we need to talk about. The Kite Exhibit. It's not the first day we've talked about that, but let's since it was multiple days, I saved it for the, the last day to talk about it. So let's see what this is all about. Okay, here is the full entry in the event guide, the, the newspaper that came out just before the weekend of the event that explained what these kite exhibits are. So here we go. I'm going to read right from the newspaper. Kites of all shapes and sizes will be flowing through the sky, and coordinator Dick Rain predicts a fun-filled exhibit saying, some of this has never been done before, in this country, or ever before. To distract the invading Martians even more, a device dubbed the world's largest maneuverable kite, capable of lifting a human off the ground, will be flown during the daytime on Saturday and Sunday. The Shooting Star Kite Team from Canada will also come down to create a classy kite ballet display in which they pilot their kites to the rhythm of the music. An enormous spin sock will be attached to a kite, creating a spectacular whirlwind effect in the air. That is the pitch from the newspaper on the kite exhibit. Kites apparently were a big thing in 1988, at least in Mercer County, New Jersey. Apparently not so much in Philadelphia, because I don't remember, but owning two kites my entire life in one was in my 20s because it was one of those rare things that had a Star Wars image on it. I think it was a Darth Vader kite, and I bought it just because there was no Star Wars items around in any stores when I was in my 20s. Last but not least, on that Sunday, let's talk about the radio play using the original War of the World script. This was the McCarter Theater in Princeton, and it was a performance of the original script for the War of the Worlds to an audience that they expected upwards of 1,000 people listening to this. 
They use live sound effects doing everything the same way Orson Welles and the Mercury Theater on the Air did on their performance 50 years ago in 1938. The stage set was designed to look like an old radio studio, and the actors were held to that one-hour airtime just like the Mercury Theater on the Air was. And the show started at exactly 8 p.m. Eastern, the exact anniversary time of the original broadcast. All right, let's take a look back here and see what I would have gone to. Not the 10K run then, definitely now, especially if there was a finisher medal, no matter what it was. If it was a custom one made by a metal company or one of those insert ones that you tend to get on people that do these for the first time to see what kind of response they have, I would have went because I would have wanted that anniversary medal. But nope, I, I can safely say at 16, I would not have had any interest in running or even walking 6.2 miles, although I'm sure the way this whole thing was spread out, I would have walked farther the entire day, but I wouldn't want to walk it without stopping. There's, I know my 16-year-old self well enough to know that wasn't going to happen. I'd like to think I'd go to the panel discussion again. That's as iffy as the other. Uh, I, I guess I don't even know if the other one was iffy. Yeah, it kind of sort of was. Ah, 16, probably not. De now I definitely would. The festival, of course, I would have went. Minus maybe the kites. But I definitely would have went to the festival for one last day. And I absolutely positively, in one way or another, had gotten a ticket to that radio play. That would have been the reason for me coming out on Sunday uh, for uh, alone, alone. I mean, I probably would have done the festival while I waited or after as the festival. Yeah, the festival would have been going an hour after that. I definitely would have gone to this radio play. And as a student at the time, I would have paid only $10. I don't know if I had $10 as a 16-year-old student back in 1988, but I would have gotten it one way or another. Probably would have promised to do some really extravagant chore cleaning or build for my parents and then hope they forgot about it. Now let's talk about briefly why I'm speculating what I would have gone to. Why didn't I go to this? I've learned just this year that it's just about an hour and 20 minute drive from where I was living to get there. Now, granted road systems have changed. So maybe an hour and a half, two hours at most something this big to something that's so important to me. Why didn't I go? There's a pretty simple answer. I had no idea this was happening at the time. 30 years ago, information wasn't at your fingertips the way it is now. Now it takes seconds to type in War of the World's 80th anniversary and see what's out there. Hopefully more than what I'm seeing at the time of recording this, but you'd get your answer in a matter of seconds. But for the 50th, it wasn't that easy. The one thing I did experience on the 50th anniversary was the public radio remake of the broadcast. And learning about that was sheer luck. And I explained exactly how that happened in our War of the Worlds Week episode this year. This week, actually, just days from when you're, you've downloaded and listened to this, possibly, and featuring that 50th anniversary remake. So on one hand, I'm obviously disappointed that I missed all this. But on the other hand, I can't truly be upset because I didn't know about it. Had I known about it and missed it, well, that would have been something completely different. But that wasn't the case. And if there's something for the 100th anniversary and I'm still around to be able to get to it, you better believe I'm going to be there. So this recap and retelling of the 50th anniversary was pieced together from a lot of sources, but I will say the main source of information for this special comes from the Thursday, October 27th, 1988 edition of the West Windsor Plainsboro Chronicle newspaper. This edition of the newspaper is specially titled the War of the World's 50th Guide and Preview Edition, to which I own a physical copy of 
It's one of only two newspapers I still hold on to today. It's that and the New York Times of the, with the front page article of the moon landing. I used to own the 2015 USA Today with the recreation of the Back to the Future front page, which I think was of, was it of Biff's arrest or was it of Marty? Whatever it was, it was what was, it was shown in the movie. I don't own that anymore because my neighbor, who's an even bigger Back to the Future fan than I am, didn't get a chance to buy that. So I gave it to him. So at the, at one point, it was three newspapers throughout my entire life that I hold on to. Now, just two. And that's probably the number that's going to stay at. With this being a newspaper, it had a ton of ads. And with this being a newspaper guide to the War of the Worlds 50th anniversary celebration, some of the ads jumped on that War of the Worlds and Martian bandwagon. Don't be at war with our world's taxes and bookkeeping demands. Beam aboard Nova Business Services, Inc. for a free consultation. Call today. You never know what or who is coming tomorrow. Even the Martians know that Audrey's has the area's finest selection of greeting cards. Also, everything for your Halloween party, including War of the Worlds souvenirs. This next one, the text doesn't have anything to do with the War of the Worlds or Martians. They, they took their existing ad, and this is for uh, Will Service Center on Alexandria Road. They, it's just It was just a plain white text ad that had some space into it, so they doodled Martians in the white, white space for this particular ad. So they give it a good shot. Before the next War of the Worlds, make sure you subscribe to Store Cable TV so you won't miss a minute of the action. For all your Martian hardware needs, see Lucas Hardware. Now, this one is one of my favorite because it has a drawing that is clearly Hammerhead from Star Wars, or if you're a Swick listener, Momo Nadon. And just, I don't, I'm not saying it looks a lot like him. I'm saying someone drew Hammerhead into this ad. All right, this one is good. Here we go. The Martians are coming. The Martians are coming. The Martians are coming. To West Windsor Township to vote for Cindy Lipton and Bob Murray for West Windsor Township Committee on November 8th. And then finally, a giant, fat, green Martian saying, Mmm, take me to your pizza. Algin's Pizza, the best in the universe. Martians love it. Stop in and see why. There is a commemorative booklet available during the festival, which I also now have a copy of. And it had the 50th anniversary logo on the front that was designed by Bill Cuckus. Inside were a lot of articles. There was letters from the governor, the mayor, one from Howard Koch himself, a reprint of the original Mercury Theater on the air script, the lyrics of Over the Airwaves, the Ballad of Grover's Mill, which was a song written for the celebration by musician Tom Moralda. And by God, if I ever find a recording of this or one of the original 45s, it will be its own special on a future War of the Worlds week. This has now become my new white whale in terms of War of the Worlds. This event didn't just happen, of course. It took a lot of hard work by some very dedicated people to pull this off. And that was the War of the Worlds Commemorative Committee, or WOW, Inc. And that was comprised of Edward D. Pulveri, Lucia D. Pulveri, Sean Ellsworth, Douglas R. Forrester, who was also the chairman, Andrea Forrester, Selma Gore, Sue Levine, Gene R. O'Brien, Ray Rodare, Nicholas G. Scrumbulus, and Peter R. Wheel. I think it's pretty safe to say that this was the last big celebration for the War of the Worlds, at least the 1938 broadcast of the War of the Worlds. Maybe the 100th anniversary will be a comparable event. I'm not really sure. But if I'm lucky enough to be able to get to it when it comes around, I'll be excited to see what's done. 
Until then, I'll do my part to celebrate the broadcast for a little while yet. I really don't see me carrying on the War of the Worlds Week tradition for another 20 years, but maybe a few more. Maybe. We'll see. But that is getting a little ahead of ourselves because this year's War of the Worlds Week has just begun. We're only two days into our 10-day week. What? No, that is right. It is 10 days. We're making up for the days that we were short in last year's event. Still to come this week, a very special edition of Is It Beer Yet? Where I share the first draft of the Neozaz War of the Worlds as I'm brewing the beer for that year's celebration. Matt's Crummy Comics Collection featuring Evil Dead versus The Martians, our 80th anniversary celebration special, and much, much, so much more that I should have printed out the newspaper guide and sold advertising spaces. Well, all right, maybe not that much, but still, there's a lot this year in our War of the Worlds week. But of course, you don't need a newspaper to find out what those specials are. All you need to do is go to neozaz.com because that is where we have all of our past, present, and future War of the Worlds Week's episodes. If you're new to our annual celebration, this is the third year we've been doing it. So just type in War of the Worlds at neozaz.com and you'll be able to find it. In fact, we have a new feed starting just this year called Everything War of the Worlds. That's under our podcast feeds. If you're a new visitor to neozaz.com and you can subscribe to that feed on iTunes and Stitcher and any other podcast serving device and get everything past and present and future later this week and who knows how many years to come directly to your device from that feed as big as this war of the world's week is it's still a part of a much bigger halloween celebration at neozaz.com halloween is our favorite time of year and we have a ton of specials from our current series some standalone specials and it's all anchored by our series the catacombs of halloween horror nights which is the show that we follow the entire mega haunt event at universal orlando halloween horror nights report on it experience it and we've shared the history of it as well again all this can be found at neozaz.com i think this halloween is shaping up to not only be the biggest but by far the biggest we're talking like more episodes than there are days of the week we'll see how that pans out whether or not it actually hits that number it's still the biggest holiday celebration of the year for us at neozaz and again you can find all that for this year and from past years at neozaz.com. We have our social media sites where we post a lot of the things that go along with these episodes as they come out. We are Neozaz on Twitter and Instagram and Neozaz Podcasts on Facebook. All that's left is for me to say thank you for listening and thank you for checking out this year's War of the Worlds Week. More to come tomorrow, and I'll see you in that next episode.